Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Heroes, Villains, and Redemption. My name is Jonathan Chan, and I am so glad that you have joined us today as we continue to take a look at one comic book character per week and to see how the gospel provides redemption for them. We are nearing the end of our series, and you may have noticed how broad the gospel of Jesus' redeeming message can penetrate in different characters and human conflicts, whether it be conflicts with each other, whether it be conflicts within society like the Joker, or within themselves. Thus far, we have concluded that the narrative of Jesus' death and resurrection provides healing, restoration, and reconciliation. Now, at this juncture, here is an important question for all of you. What is redemption? I'll give you one minute to define it for me. One. See, we Christians tend to throw out many shun words, don't we? Such as justification, salvation, sanctification, and now redemption. Well, I'm going to borrow a definition from N.T. Wright, and it's a good elevator pitch for all of us when we are asked to define redemption. An elevator pitch for all of us who may happen to be in a building that only has three floors. So here's the quote from N.T. Wright. Quote, Redemption is to denote the actions whereby God rescues human beings and the whole cosmos from the state of sin, decay, and death to which they have become subject. Okay, let's try that again. Redemption is to denote the actions whereby God rescues human beings and the whole cosmos from the state of sin, decay, and death to which they have become subject. Okay, what on earth does that mean? Ding! This is my floor. Let's talk about redemption later the next time we meet. Like, never, because I will never take this elevator again. In fact, I'll take the stairs just to avoid any conversation about redemption with you. What does this all mean? Especially the part about sin, decay, and death, which we have become subjected to. And why on earth am I using Black Widow's story arc to talk about redemption? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's begin with Black Widow. But before we delve into Black Widow, I'm going to show you a quick video clip from the Avengers movie where Black Widow has a conversation with Loki. Take it away. It's really not that complicated. I got red in my ledger. I'd like to wipe it out. Welcome back. Well, a little bit about Black Widow. Her origin story has many variations, but the common threads are as follows. Black Widow's real name is, get this, and I'm going to try my very best to do this, Natalia Alianovna Romanova. She was an orphan adopted by the KGB, where they had a program to brainwash and train young girls to become super spies and assassins while injecting them with a Russian version of Captain America's super serum. Yes, the Russian version of Captain America's super serum, which means it's probably not that good. 
They also made the girls sterile so that they won't be distracted when they're on their missions. Yes, way to go, Disney, to mention that so overtly in all your movies of the Avengers. Kid-friendly, family-friendly entertainment. And so, Natasha or Natalia, tomato or tomato, did all sorts of bad stuff for the KGB until she met Hawkeye who convinced her to change sides and be part of the good guys. Now, whether the Avengers are the good guys, that's all relative, right? But for the sake of the dualistic nature and American influence on comics, let's just say that the group that dropped a whole island on top of a city are the good guys, and everyone else were the bad guys. Throughout the Black Widow story arc in the comics and the movies, the theme of redemption comes up frequently. The redemption idea materializes when Black Widow joined the Avengers. It marked the start of her journey to redeem herself from past wrongs by doing right things. In other words, just like the clip that I showed you with her conversation with Loki, she wants all that red to be gone. So take a wild guess what this whole idea refers to. That's right. For those of you who are keeners out there, that's karma. Unfortunately, because her past wrongs were so much, she couldn't do enough to she couldn't do enough good to right the wrongs and free herself from the guilt and shame. So she turned into a toad. Just kidding. She didn't turn into a toad. The only way to redeem herself from the past wrongs is the old-fashioned retribution formula. Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. In other words, she had to die for her wrongs. She had to face the punishment, face her own endgame. And this little video clip on the side here will show you what I mean. Oh look, she's going, she's going. Oh look, yeah, yeah. Ah, don't do it. She jumped and she dies. That was from Endgame. For some of us, Black Widow's thought process is what Paul was saying in Romans chapter 7, chapter 8, and Galatians chapter 2. That to be free from one's sin, all that red that we've done, is to go through with the punishment of sin, which is death. Here, let's use an example. Our traffic law states that you must not exceed the speed limit when you're driving. So when we get behind the wheel, we sign an agreement with society that we will obey those traffic laws. But in turn, we also sign an agreement to accept the punishments if we disobey the traffic laws. So when we are caught speeding, there are consequences, right? And the punishments are coming right at us, whether we like it or not. And when we're caught with the speeding and the punishments come, it could be jail time, it could be paying a fine, it could be just plainly getting embarrassed with in social media, or have our Lamborghini impounded. Regardless, the punishment is coming and the punishment will be fulfilled. After the punishment is fulfilled, then you and I will be free to drive again, hopefully. For sin though, all humanity has sinned regardless of whether we committed it overtly or not, whether we actually did the action or just thought about it. Once we entered into this world as a babe, we are sinners. Why? It's because our ultimate destiny is death. Death exists because sin exists. 
And in order to be free from sin, we must die. Permanently. Pfft. Wait, why? How did this all start it? Is there another option than to go pfft? Or, if eternal damnation is your thing, is there another option than to be forever burning or continuously reincarnate from ashes back to the human body and burn again and burn again and burn again? See, if, because if you're like me, I would like another option than to go pfft. An option that is independent and not correlated with the amount of good I do to offset the bad, right? Because I could never do enough good to offset the bad. Never. Is there another option for me and for yourself that is regardless of how much good we do, that we would avoid that death thing? The Well, apparently there is. Let's start from the beginning. The beginning of the story of redemption. In the beginning, humanity shit itself. Humanity had three roles to play, and they were quite simple. Love each other, love God, and obey his commands. And take care of his creation, like a gardener takes care of her plants. In other words, be the representative on behalf of God while having an eternal, intimate relationship with Him. The result is eternal life that is fruitful, creation and humanity that is full and in harmony, and everything in the presence of God, i.e. no death or decay. The image that the author of Genesis used to describe this phenomena is like a beautiful, lush garden. And you know what? If tradition is true that Moses wrote this wonderful book of Genesis, Moses was predominantly in the desert. So it is no surprise that he described the Garden of Eden as a lush garden. So whatever image that best describes this type of life in God is up to you to describe. For me, what would this Garden of Eden look like? Well, for me, no death. I can eat all the bacon I want 24 seven drink lots of beer without any repercussions, and still have a body of an Olympic swimmer. That's right, Michael Phelps, eat your heart out. So that was it. That was the deal. Or in Christian and Judaic terminology, that was the covenant between humanity and God. Fulfill those three roles, and there will be no death or decay. But, as you and I both know, Humans have trouble having good things because we tend to ruin things, thinking that we can do better for ourselves. We also have trouble keeping oaths and promises and have a tendency to break them. And that is exactly what happened. We did not want to allow God to determine what was good for us. We thought we could do better. So instead of choosing eternal life with him, we decided to go our own way, and if you look at humanity today and all of our history, it didn't quite work out, nor is it working out today. What is good for me may not be good for someone else and vice versa. See, what was good for Hitler, what was good for Mao Zedong, or what was good for Stalin or Mussolini was not good for others. The zero sum came to be. What was the result? Well, 
covenant was broken and therefore punishment. Decay leading to death. The rules of the deal, the rules of the covenant. The death punishment was not given by God. It was pretty much what happens when we are left to our own devices and capacities in depart from God's covenant. Just look around us. But God really loved humanity and wanted to rescue us from this suffering of decay to death due to our selfish desires, i.e. he wanted to rescue us from ourselves. And so he chose one family to start this grand redemption story and the couple's name was Abraham and Sarah. Through Abraham and Sarah, God would start a nation of people dedicated to fulfill the original three roles that were given to humanity. They were to lead by example so that the rest of the world and themselves are drawn to God and have this covenantal relationship renewed with humanity, creation, and God. The covenantal relationship right from the beginning. You can say that God called Abraham and Sarah into his redemption plan and that Abraham and Sarah were the first persons to be redeemed when they accepted his call. God revealed Abraham his plan for the nation that will be coming out of his genealogy and how the entire world would be led by this nation because this nation will lead by example and this nation would lead them to God. This nation was called Israel and the people within were called the Jews. Now, you can read more about this Israel nation in Genesis and Exodus to revisit all the stories and family mishaps that they've encountered. The hairy brother and the domestic brother, the 12 brothers with the youngest being the spoiled rotten one, and how the Jews ended up in Egypt and grew in number so numerous that the Pharaoh freaked out and enslaved them while he was still able. Now, to that enslavement. Because God made a promise to Abraham, he already told Abraham that he knew that this enslavement by Egypt would happen. And he promised to Abraham that Israel will be free from Egypt. God will deliver them. See, the Israelites knew about the promise God made to Abraham. It was though a long time ago, seriously, many years ago that God spoke to Abraham, the promises were transferred down from generation to generation through the word of mouth. So these Israelites knew about this promise that God made to Abraham, that they would be free from Egypt's enslavement. They knew that they would be free someday by God's hand because God promised it. However, as time went on, they were wondering whether God would keep his promise that they would be set free and be able to resume their roles that God gave them to be the light to all the nations. Well, God remembered his promise. God did deliver them from enslavement through Moses, with God dishing out the plagues and a whole lot of whoop-ass onto Pharaoh. Th these Israelites were set free. God kept his promise, his covenant with Abraham, by redeeming Israel, the people he chose to bring the world into the original covenant in the beginning. However, Israel was still a nomadic people. They weren't a nation yet, nor could anyone tell them apart from every other nation around them. In other words, 
If Israel, the Jews, were to lead by example and bring the rest of the world to God, the question is, shouldn't they be noticeably different from the rest of the world? If their role is to lead and bring people to God, living lives that resemble humanity that is in the original covenant, they are to be noticeably different. So God gave the Torah for Israel to follow. The Torah provided them with standards of what it means to be people of the covenant. Basically, the Torah is everything that is opposite of what the world around the Israelites were doing. For example, God says, do not murder. Why did he say that? Because the rest of the world finds murdering is okay. So you can say that the Torah is a compass, a moral ethical compass. It tells the Israelites when they have lost track and blended back into the world and subjected to decay and death. It was, a it was a standard test, a litmus test, a compass to tell when the Israelites were straying away from God. But, yes, there's a but. Israelites are human beings. Throughout the entire ancient history of Israel, they kept falling short to the standard. Time and time again, God gave them chances to renew their role, and time and time again, they failed and rebelled against God, thinking that they knew better, that they knew better than God. Does that ring a bell? And so Israel kept getting enslaved by various foreign nations. Every single tite you could think of, they've been enslaved by them. The Hittites, the Chittites, the Malachites, the Galactites, whatever. In the first century, they were enslaved by the Romans. No matter how much they tried to fulfill the Torah, they kept falling short. Torah went from becoming a gift from God to becoming a curse because it kept on reminding Israel how far off they were to the mark. Think about it. If you were given a standard that you just can't seem to achieve no matter how hard you try, it becomes a cursed obsession, wouldn't it? We're enslaved by it because it keeps reminding us what we did wrong and provides no solution to free us. The Black Widow experienced the same thing. Every time she did something wrong or bad, she is reminded of it continuously. And I'm sure many of us have experienced it too. We know we've done wrong. We know we have a standard in our minds. It's inbuilt inside our moral mechanism within us. Yet we still have guilt hanging over our heads no matter how much good we try to do in order to write that bad off. We seem to not ever do enough good to write off the bads that we've done wrong. So, the question, will God keep his promise with Abraham that Israel will be a light to the world and draw the world to God and back into the original covenant? Or will Israel and the world on its shoulders continue to suffer the punishment of death, i.e. the entire nation goes pfft along with the world because Israel failed. Well, God keeps his promise with Abraham, and he loves humanity way too much to give up on them. God embodied himself and entered into Israelite history by being born into a Jewish family, and his name was Jesus. He kept the Torah to the T, right to the dot, 
had his I's dotted and his T's crossed. And not only that, he cared for the poor, the sick, and the widows, just like what Israel was supposed to do according to the Torah. He was perfect. He was sinless and without any blemish because, well, he was God himself in human flesh. He was the true Israelite, the true Jew for the world to draw towards to encounter God. He was the true person of the covenant. The true nation of Israel is now embodied into Jesus. That answers the first question, right? But what about the second? Is Israel and humanity still going to die for the rebellion, i.e. permanently? Because, hey, just like the speeding ticket, they broke the agreement with God. And so, is there any hope for Israel and humanity to be free without suffering ultimate death? Ultimate pfft. Well, because Jesus is now the true Israelite, the true nation and line of Abraham, he is now the representative of Israel. In other words, just like Israel, he takes on that role of Israel in being the representative of humanity. But he didn't sin. He didn't stray away from Torah. So technically, by definition of this whole covenant relationship, this whole Torah thing, he wouldn't die. He wouldn't have to worry to about he wouldn't have to worry of dying. Yet he chose to die. He chose to because he represented Israel and humanity. He chose the most excruciating death called the crucifixion so that all sin, regardless how sinful they may be, the punishment will be satisfied by his death. For example, it's like back to the speeding ticket. It's like someone who never sped in her entire life, never disobeyed any traffic laws, was willing to pay a million or more to the nth degree dollars to pay for all the fines of today, all of humanity's speeding tickets for today, tomorrow, and in the future. In other words, she paid enough so that regardless of what kind of speeding ticket you have, it's already paid for and fulfilled. That is what Jesus did on the cross. His death, regardless of what kind of sin we committed, whether it be small ones or big ones, his death pays it all. His death pays for everyone's punishment. But did Jesus stay dead? No, because remember the covenant in the beginning. Jesus lived as a perfect human being of the original covenant. And therefore, he has eternal life with God. So after three days, Jesus resurrected and is now sitting on the right hand of God eternally. Jesus, the perfect Israelite, the perfect human being, and the perfect representative on our behalf, he went through death, and because he was perfect, did not stay dead, but in three days rose to life and now live eternally with God. And mysteriously, he tells us this. If we believe this, if we believe and put our faith in Jesus, who he is and what he's done for all of humanity, we too won't stay dead when we die, but raise to life and live eternally with God. We will reestablish our three roles and all of creation will be fruitful and in harmony. This is the story of redemption. God, through Jesus' death and resurrection, rescued Israel and humanity from the death and decay that was the result of rejecting the original covenant.
Humanity, therefore, is now given a true Israelite to lead them to God and be redeemed, to be back into the covenant between God, humanity, and creation. No longer will they experience permanent death due to not fulfilling the Torah, for that punishment is paid. Now humanity is free and be guided by the Holy Spirit. Here, let me leave off with what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And the interesting thing is that when we believe and put our faith in Jesus, his death and resurrection, we are already redeemed today. So in our lives today, we are to live as redeemed people. How? By being obedient to the Holy Spirit's guidance and follow Jesus' compass that he has given us through his examples in the Gospels. So what about the Black Widow? She died because she knew that the only way out of her guilt and shame was to die and be finally free. The law, the Torah, or you could say her moral compass and ethical compass, kept reminding her of how bad she was, how much red she had, and how far off the mark she was. And the only way to free herself was to die, to fulfill the punishment, to pay the fine. Unfortunately, that was final for her. She was pfft, because we saw the end game. She never came back. But there is another way, though. There is an alternative, the story of redemption. We can turn to Jesus, the one who faithfully lived a sinless life, who came to represent Israel and humanity at the same time. He chose to bore our punishment and said, I'll pay your debt for you. And because of his faithfulness, he resurrected and now provide a way for us to resurrect as well, to not be permanently dead, but be resurrected and live eternally with God in a renewed creation. Death is no longer the end, for death is just a beginning of a new life with God, with creation, with humanity in harmony. In the midst of this beautiful creation that is renewed and restored, where we can fulfill our three God-given roles and have eternal life that is fruitful and where creation and humanity is full of harmony and everything is in the presence of God, i.e. no death or decay.